Welcome to the Public Health Networker, the official podcast of the Public Health Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. Join us as we speak to public health professionals around the country and around the world in global, community, and environmental health topics. Join us also as we speak to podcasters in this field of public health. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. And in the meantime, enjoy the episode. We invite you to join us on March 1st, 2023 from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time as we host our Public Health Career Fair. This Career Fair event is designed for early career, mid-career, and executive level job seekers. We'll also be featuring talks on our main stage about interview practices, resume design, and finding your ideal career. We'll also be talking about entrepreneurial options as well. To learn more, visit publichealthpodcasters.com slash career fair. We look forward to seeing you there. Today we're speaking to Dr. Valida Jones. She is a conscious leader in the making. She's based over here in San Diego with us. Welcome, Dr. Jones. Excited to be here and to share the ongoing knowledge that um, I am developing and being exposed to as I move through this thing called life. Tell us a little bit more about you. I know you're here in San Diego in Southern California with us, which is wonderful. We've been friends forever, decades or so. Absolutely. So I'm actually a transplant to um, California. I was originally born and raised in a place called Muskegon Heights, Michigan, a very, very small place on the opposite side of Detroit. Super cold in the Midwest. And during the, I guess my junior high years, my parents decided to move us to Arizona. So we lived there for about three years in Mesa, Arizona and Tempe. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. We got a real like awakening and consciousness. You could probably say that my consciousness or my conscious awakening kind of started there for a variety of reasons. But, um, and then, you know, my grandfather had gotten sick. We went back to help my grandmother. And by the time we came back, we were there for about two years. My second half of my um, 11th grade year, dad was like, okay, you guys got to come back to help and come back out West. And then he had moved us to San Diego. So then I went to Morris high school, graduated from there, went into college. My initial direction was in fashion merchandising and interior design. And then, you know, got married, kids, all those kinds of things. I'm a grandma now. I have three um, beautiful grandchildren, two boys that are um, 10 and eight, Nasir and Makai. And then I have a granddaughter that's one years old, Naila. Oh, sweet. She just got here. She's the boss of everybody. Her um, middle name is Amina. Um, I named her and um, she's named after an African warrior, um, West African warrior. You know, eventually I decided I wanted to come back to school when my children were little and um, went back into San Diego State. Both, I came in as actually a health science major. So I can't seem to get away from health science. Even if I try to go away, I end up back in health sciences. So I was um, that, and then I ended up taking some psychology courses, really liked psychology and decided to switch my major to psychology. Took up um, African studies as a minor, but then I started getting more involved in learning about myself and my community and identifying who I wanted to work with as far as my population and learning how to ground myself within a certain community because people often think just because you're born a specific cultural person that you have all the knowledge that you need. You do not. 
you, we make assumptions. You actually have to learn, you know, what it means to be, to become, to belong, and even to begin. So double major, psych and African studies began, you know, looking at leadership opportunities. And then I found myself circling back around into public health. I was actually, as, a, as an undergrad, my very first, the very last lab I was in was a public health lab at San Diego State that actually focused on helping to change the law in California so that folks can't smoke in restaurants anymore. That was really exciting. And then I decided I would go into education and specifically educational leadership, which I really love, but I found what was lacking in leadership was consciousness. And so I was actually working in a position at a community college, had only been there for a short period of time. And a month in, I found out that the job that I got was going to be leaving because there weren't conscious leaders at the top and they had mismanaged a grant. So we were losing our funding. So everybody in the office lost their jobs. Right. And at that time, I had gotten admissions into San Diego State's doctoral program in education that focused on ed leadership. And um, I was looking for a topic. And then my chair was like, you know, why don't you do something around consciousness and leadership? And at the time, there really wasn't anything. So that's kind of how I kind of got into it and who I am as a person, because I like to talk about, yes, my my trajectory and my work goals and where I wanted to be. But I also like to talk to people about who I am as a spiritual soul. So I am spirited matter. I'm grounded within African, within an African Asili, and Asili means my cultural essence, but, or I should say, however, I'm a cultural pluralist. I am a vendor of positive spirit, light, energy, and love, and I'm a promoter of Pan-African thought, which is inclusive of all cultures as well. Now, I see myself as an Africana womanist, and what that means is that First and foremost, what is at the center of me is my soul and my spirit, my community, my children. And I see men as my complementary, not in opposition to me. I am a, a Sakusheti, which is an illuminator of the soul. I am an urban sage because my goal is to cultivate urban intellects. I currently work at UCSD in the School of Medicine. And so I just started doing that practice here with students. I am an African social scientist. I'm a seeker of truth and wisdom, a mother, a grandmother, and a sacred equal. That's Belita. <laughs> and I love, you know, how you gave me this introduction that you're a conscious leader in the making. Yes. I think this is so beautiful because you're an expert in the world in conscious leadership, but you're still in the making. We're constantly evolving and growing and learning new things. I think that's so important. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's important for all of us to do some kind of work in what I like to call energy management. And what that is, is learning how to control. Cause we're, I believe we're all energy and light, right? But we, and we have these emotions and that's where our energy is put out into the world. We have to learn how to, to be conscious of who we are from a spiritual point, a um, physical point, from intellectual point, you know, and that all is a, a comprehensive, comprehensive view of who we are. And so being conscious is just really making yourself much more aware then taking that awareness, turning it into knowing and understanding, then knowledge, and then applying it as wisdom. We also go into that in informatics, which, you know, I'm sure this is ages old, right? So it's not oh, yes. data to data to knowledge to data to information to knowledge to wisdom, but 
anyways, it's not just informatics, right? No, no, no. Our ancestors, all of our ancestors, our indigenous ancestors had wisdom. And actually in, in African, for African cultural people, we have a term called Sankofa. Sankofa means to go back and get it. So we go back to get the wisdom and knowledge that is useful and bring it forward. We don't go back to romanticize it and say that we're better than. It says, okay, how can we learn from what our ancestors were doing? Because remember, they were here at the beginning of times and they viewed, the, they lensed the world very differently. And they, had, they didn't have as many distractions like we had in stimulus so they could focus. My favorite place to study is ancient Kemet. Everybody else knows this name by Egypt. They used to take people to build leaders. They would take them into those pyramids and they would have to cultivate them for many years before they were even allowed to come out and lead anybody. They have to master thyself. That's why you hear the term know thyself. That's what that means. Know thyself and to ma'at be true. Ma'at means to have balance. And you can't be a great leader if you are fighting an enemy inside of you. So you have to master the enemy inside of you so that you don't have to worry about the enemies outside of you. That's also an Aikido principle. So important. So tell us a little bit more about conscious leadership and, you know, what, what is conscious leadership? Yeah, so conscious leadership came about, as I mentioned before, as I was um, in my doctorate program, I got tired of meeting these superficial leaders. And these superficial leaders are these folks who were doing theatrics in regards to leadership. They didn't, they weren't purposeful. They weren't intentional. They weren't accountable. They weren't responsible. And in essence, that's what conscious leadership is. It is grounded in a, um, a framework, a conceptual framework that I designed while doing my doctorate program that focused on systems theory, a little quantum physics, social cultural learning, and really just kind of your awareness, conscious awareness. Because we have our own individual conscious awareness, and then we have a collective conscious awareness. Think the movie Avatar, that one scene where they all were at the tree and the one avatar was dying and they all grouped together in a positive and affirmative way to support, put out positive energy to help heal the avatar so that they could move on. All of us as, as human beings have the same ability. We just focus in on the negative because that's what we've been taught. That's the framework. So conscious leadership, you know, a, a formal definition of it is, is a conceptual framework that is grounded in the social cultural knowledge of reciprocity, which allows leaders to perceive patterns in the environment, see the interconnectivity of multiple problems, and subscribe to a participatory leadership style, which incorporates the ideal of shared responsibility and problem solving. And through, through this understanding of conscious leadership, it makes it much more possible to create conscious organizations because we're living beings, right? We reside in these, in these, in these situations and places, but we do these static acts, right? And think that we're going to problem solve. This is why design thinking and human-centered learning or approaches are really good because we're actually focusing, we're using people power to focus on problem solving that's good for them. And so again, conscious leadership is about being purposeful. It is about um, understanding who you are, mastering who you are as a leader and figuring out what is your path, right? And then what vehicle you're gonna use to um, make sure you do your path. So I could have done anything in the world because I understand who I am as an illuminator of the soul, which is what a Saku Shetty is. 
but I chose education as my vehicle because I understand my purpose. It is um, also intentional, intentional in the sense that every day I get up and I set my goals or my intentions for the day. I have a moment of silence and I, I listen what is needed and then I'm guided by both the ancestors as well as the cosmo. And conscious leadership also means that you're accountable. So not only do you lead, you're accountable for what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're demonstrating and that you're responsible, that you make sure that everybody you are engaging with and the things that you do are purposeful, intentional, and that you're being responsible. That's in essence, conscious leadership. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's it's deep. <laughs> it is deep. Yeah, it covers a lot of concepts. And so how can public health benefit from this topic? I mean, you know, I guess, first of all, um, I have a background with the MPA and public administration. We, we did a lot on leadership. One of my favorite topics as well, strategic planning and leadership were my two favorite. And um, one of the theories says that, you know, everyone's a leader, right? It's not like yes. only one person who was born to be the leader everyone is leading in some way, right? Absolutely. And, and that is a, a part of the framework for thinking as a, as a conscious leader, because as a conscious leader, you empower people to be leaders, right? You don't need to have the, all the accolades and accoutrements, right? You can empower people to lead so that everything can work much more effective and efficient. Um, it, in healthcare or public health specifically, again, we're dealing with people, right? But we're we're acting as if we're doing these static, you know, things and in these static situations that it's not dynamic, that that epigenetics doesn't inform health outcomes, right? And in conscious leadership, first and foremost, you are forced to think differently right? Because you have to, like I say, master yourself, right? And then you also have to think. And that's where, that's where the quantum physics comes in, because for a conscious leader, you have to be inclusive, naturally. It's not just lip service. You are actually physically practicing it all the time, because you're a quantum thinker, right? And you don't believe in the binary. You believe in and. It's the potentiality of things. You believe that you can manifest a, a solution to any problem. We become solution engineers. Mm -hmm. So for public health, I see conscious leadership being appropriate because we don't take into consideration that we're dealing with people and that we are trying to solve problems for them. We're, we're doing things, and a perfect example was the, public, was the pandemic, right? So the pandemic happened, right? Right from the beginning, I said they need to contact the public health people because they know how to message correctly, right? But all the scientists <laughs> were like, no, we're gonna do it, you know? And they didn't have anyone who was a conscious leader as a, within public health who could message it appropriately. So then we had a big fiasco. And by the time they tried, they figured it out, it was almost kind of too late. And I think also in public health, people tend to look down on it like it's not a real science or it's not, they're not, you know, the, they're not, you know, real doctors who are really solving problems appropriately. But in my new position, we have this program called Prime, Prime Health Equity and Prime Tide. So these are students who are enrolled in medical school for five to six years. They go, they get a master's degree in public health or urban planning or anything else that's going to help them problem solve from that perspective. And so they're taught further how to be leaders, 
And I think for public health, having we're coming around to it, but we still have a lot of people who are just being reactionary or binary. Um, something like conscious leadership will make them stop and create rubrics, right? Create templates for this is how we manage people. Um, this is how we use design thinking. This is how we use human-centered approach. Um, this is how we problem solve using people, the people that we're affecting. This is how we do research in the community so that we're not doing this whole, let's go in and abstract the knowledge, publish a paper, and then we're done with the community. No, right. we keep an ongoing, it's that reciprocity and right. conscious leadership that keeps us engaged with the community. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, as a, as a representative of UCSD in the Office of Diversity and, and um, Community Partnership, we have an, our medical students go to Lincoln High School to, to um, teach an elective in public health. That's us committing to the community. And they go in and they take a variety of topics. Plus, they're also engaging underserved students who may or may not know what it even means to become a doctor or what that looks like or that it can look like them. Because these are all either underserved people um, or folks who want to work within those communities that are underserved to help reduce social determinants and close the gap on health inequities. Mm -hmm. So you need conscious leadership also because it's about the social cultural learning, right? And going into these communities and building engagements and relationships. Mm -hmm. Again, not just one-offs where we're going to go in and do this and then we're going to leave or we're just going to highlight it. It's an investment. That's what a conscious leader, they're invested and they work within their sphere of influence to create change. They are the change maker. They're, that's why you're, as a conscious leader, you're always evolving and, and developing and becoming better. I love that. And so like every single student, every single individual, uh, I like what you say about inclusion, because even with our podcast network, I tell people public health is not based on your degree. Everyone is public health. Yes. Every single person has a role to play in terms of leadership, community engagement. I mean, supporting your family, standing up for your family, your street, your neighborhood, everything. Every single yes. one of us is involved in public yes. health. Yes, and public health, especially right now for um, well-being, um, healthy well-being, you know, mental health challenges, we don't have any real true conscious leaders that are like seriously advocating. Yeah. I mean, if you just just go outside and, you know, especially since the pandemic and see people living on the streets. I saw on the news this morning, this, this um, gallery owner in San Francisco was spraying water on a homeless woman who was in front of his gallery because he says, well, I told her to leave and I called them to tell them to come get her. So in the cold, you thought it was okay to spray water on her to get her to leave. She yeah. clearly has some well-being issues. Mm -hmm. So we need conscious leaders who can understand that and who can implement practices, policies, plans, and procedures. We have to retrain people how to engage. That's what it's all what I when I'm talking about learning how to be how to become, how to belong, and even how to begin. That's what I'm talking about. This is why conscious lead, and that's built into conscious leadership. So that's why it's needed in public health. Mm -hmm. It's so needed. We have all of the, they call it the wicked, the wicked problems, right? Of obesity yes. and homelessness and so many, and the pandemic that we're still trying to figure out how to contain. Yeah, we, we still don't have the answers to that in the field of public health. And so awareness of what's going on and inclusion, feeling like it's not us versus them, right? Absolutely. Um, 
you know, I'm we got to get rid of that mentality, us versus them, because, you know, I do this other um, training on energy management. And I always say, this is the only planet we have. Yeah. We don't know what's out in the cosmos. It may or may not be some other things out there, but let's just figure out as earthlings how we can get along here. Right. We're master the enemy inside so that you don't have to worry about there being an enemy outside because there really isn't an enemy outside. The only enemy is us, right? It's our mind, right? That's why you have to become a thought leader. You be, need to be more quantum in your thinking and, and have a dream team who can think about like, how do we solve these problems? We tell kids to go to school and then they study old dad, white man for what? Because mm -hmm. that's not going to help them problem solve in their communities. Mm -hmm. We need to actually, every classroom should be very engaging and it should be, you know, the learning should be engaged. The learning should be actionable, right? Mm -hmm. So they should be able in high school, even if we go up to Lincoln high school and we talk to them about like a spe specific health disparity, they should be able to sit and think about how to solve that problem mm -hmm. yeah. at their level. Yeah. What does this have to do with me? Right. Exactly. What can I do about this? Why should I care? absolutely about what you're saying absolutely why is this relevant why is it relevant and in conscious leadership you're asking those questions why is this relevant what is important about this how do i design a, a an environment that's more inclusive and supporting of the healthy way of living and being mm -hmm. okay let's give each other a definition of what healthy living looks like and means we talk about that but we don't really tell people well, what does that look like Right. And just say, well, just be well. Well, what does that mean? Right. You know, as a conscious leader, I have a, um, I call it my spiritual practice. There are certain things that I do. If I don't do it, I fall out of balance and I can tell. So if you're not telling people being, you know, explicit and telling them how to be well, then what are we doing? Mm -hmm. How, why are we blaming the victim? Mm -hmm. We're yeah. the leaders. Right. And we're so good at, you know, as a culture on focusing on things that we don't want you know this i go to the park and every sign tells me what not to do exactly you know negative you gotta you gotta get off the negative that again that's where the quantum physics comes in because you want to focus on what you do want because honestly the cause the, the universe only hears what you want whether you say you want it or not it doesn't it doesn't like preclude anything it's just you want this is what it heard. That's what it's going to produce. Right. We, we have to understand that we're the awareness and we're the power and that our greatest power is choice. So choosing to put up different signs, like have a great day at the park, look at the, um, the water, sit by the water and enjoy listening to nature. You know, that's positive, right? Versus don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. You're going to get a certain kind of reaction if you keep putting that message out. So if you want something different, put out a different message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was even thinking about this in terms of like traffic, you know, mm -hmm. um, commuters having to deal with that long commute. Imagine yes. some nice signs out there that keep them focused and engaged yes. on the road, what that could look like. Absolutely. Or like, you know, I know people are still fighting this, but let people have flexible schedules like they work from home. But they don't even like, have to go into traffic. <laughs> So what is the what is the big deal about getting your car, create adding to pollution, right? right? To go sit in a room all day, which also causes another disparity, right? Because you're sitting all day because you you're in meetings or even mm -hmm. then you have to go into these meetings and argue with people and you know it's just it doesn't and the, eat your it, container lunch in the plastic bowl in a microwave microwave you just, you know? it's so, oh it's so wrong <laughs> absolutely.
absolutely. So, I mean, this is why as a conscious leader, you are a, um, you're a quantum thinker because you think about these things. You know, one of our students who's in our prime program, he's becoming a doctor. He did his master's in urban planning and everybody was like, well, why are you doing urban planning? He goes, because doctors should be included when we're commuting, we're creating communities. Yes. And I was like, that is great. He was thinking he's already a conscious leader. Yes. He wanted to be inclusive of community planning. So he did his master's in public and urban planning. And then he now works over in Southeast San Diego, helping to demonstrate how they can work with the community to implement changes because he has the knowledge now, which now and the knowing now he has turned it into wisdom. Mm -hmm. I love that. And also, you know, recruiting students into the medical field. That should be important considerations. We want to know what you want to do, right? We yes. want to know why you're coming to our school, right? Yes. So why are you coming to our community? Yes. You know, what are you going to do to benefit this community? Show me that you care about where you're going to be learning. Yeah, I think because everybody, you know, social media can be um, a very helpful, but it can also be a hindrance, right? And so, especially within the pandemic, everybody and their mother came, you know, came up with some kind of platform, some kind of PR. And so I like the, the person with the loudest voice gets the attention, yeah. not necessarily the lonely podcaster who's talking about conscious things. <laughs> You and never so that, know. <laughs> yeah. and so that could be that could be problematic. So maybe we need to develop some rubrics around what's you know who should be talking about what and why. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean that's why we started in 2021. It was like mm -hmm. we weren't seeing enough information out there about, for example, the pandemic. How to? It's not that hard to actually stop the spread of this. It's, it's not really not. You know, it's we've not. seen some cases, we've seen uh, New Zealand examples where they were able to bring it all the way down to like two cases in the whole country and they were wow. able to reopen rugby and all these things. But then, you know, having to, you know, interact again with international travel, it just came back up again, but they actually contained it very successfully for a period of time. It's not that hard. It's not. It's a, it goes back to the awareness a master major part of consciousness and consciousness can actually be measured in my other life. Cause I have another life. I work with this consciousness quotient inventory. So the gentleman who he created what's called the CQ inventory that can measure conscious awareness. So helping people to understand awareness and consciousness helps them to be more safe and healthy. You know, I was at the store uh, a month ago and I had my mask on. Cause when I go out in public, I put my mask on. And as I was walking in the store, this lady said to me, you know, it's good to have fresh air. And, and I said, yeah, it sure her, is. <laughs> I said, you're right. And public health is a real thing. <laughs> but she wanted to argue with me on why I was wearing a mask. It happens. I didn't give her any energy. I just said that. I said what I said and I moved on because that was ignorance at its best. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just that she hadn't been taught right? Maybe if we start teaching public health in elementary school, yeah. heck, even in preschool, let's do it, you know, in high school, definitely middle school, you're already, what's one more thing to add to science in a more um, constructive way, rather than in a haphazard way. Yeah. I, re I remember when, back in the day, because I'm pretty old, when they first were talking to young women, when I would think it was in junior high about the menstrual cycle, they gathered all the girls up and took us to the auditorium and we watched some movie about the period. 
And it was some little period going across the screen with some words. <laughs> it was like a uterus with a face. Yeah, like a leg. that's the only thing I remember from that. How was that helpful? <laughs> what was wrong with that messaging? <laughs> so we can find ways to talk about things better. Right. You know, early on. Like my, <laughs> My, my grandson, my youngest grandson, he gets very angry because we're working with him on his, you know, managing his energy and his emotions. So when he does little things, I tell him, namaste, namaste. He has to just say namaste, namaste, and get in the little pose. And then until he calms down, that's <laughs> easy that can happen. Now, he, he doesn't, he's not successful all the time, but he now has a tool to go in his toolbox. Let's give people tools to put in their toolbox, but even better, let's show them how to use the tools and let them know that they're their own um, savior, right? When you look in that mirror every day, put your cape on because you're it. There's nobody coming to save you. It's you. Right. Exactly. And I don't think enough people uh, grow up to understand that. And I think, yeah, knowing yourself, understanding your power yes. as a human being. Yes what you can do to the ripple effect of how you can make things better. I don't think we understand enough of that. And I don't think there's enough resources out there to help us find how to do that. Well, yeah, that's true. And then, you know, if you, if you do certain things, like, like even this conversation you were having, then you have these people on the other side who are like, well, that's just, you know, that's that wacky stuff. It's not, <laughs> you can't really prove it. Really? <laughs> so, but now they're starting to believe that epigenetics is a real thing and yes. that DNA is trauma is carried on your DNA. Yes. And we're, I mean, it's so, it's such an exciting time because we are able to see, like you mentioned, like quantum physics and how it relates to energy, mm -hmm. you know, all the things that we thought were new age, we're actually finding like actual, like hard scientific evidence that we can show in publication or in research that these things are real and you can Absolutely. actually visualize them now it's really fascinating it is and i'm super excited and i'm so glad to be on the planet at this time mm -hmm. and you know we always what we set these goals right and then they said the universe laughs at it because it's like it's it's gonna do what it's gonna do right <laughs> but yeah. we so fixated on being controlled and controlling right. things i think housing in san diego is a public health issue but oh, nobody's yeah. talking about it yeah yeah, we don't have the solution. We can't figure out the solution. Um, they're not tapped into ways to get to the solution. Nope, nope. They're just talking about, well, we're going to build more affordable housing. What they don't say is there's only five units in that building that right. are quote unquote affordable. But right. $2,400 is not affordable. No, and then also the growing number of homelessness, right? So we're still exactly. having a lot more people and you know, with our current economic stuff that's going on, it's happening. Um, people are coming to you know cities homeless uh, more and more, and that's Absolutely. a huge issue. And, and there is no known solution to that out there in terms of what's going to be done. Because we don't have conscious leaders in place, we haven't trained them who right. can think quantumly. Yes, <laughs> yes, and this also kind of links me to this topic of public health. You know we really want to focus on public health as a place where people care about communities, like public health workforce caring about who they work with or for. And that's not always the case, right? I mean, people, they take jobs, right? These are jobs for many people, but even those in leadership, these are yep. just jobs, Yep. unfortunately, right? They're not there to solve the problem. It's 
outside of their pay range or outside of their job description? Well, because of, you know, historically leadership has been about um, a boss and um, employees or staff members, right? And then also we don't, you think that leadership is something that you can just go and, you know, take a couple of classes and then go on to the workforce. And tell them what to do. And tell them what to do. <laughs> Again, there's nothing about a relationship. There's nothing about engaging. Um, there's nothing about like addressing challenges that, you know, or potentiality for solutions that come up. And, you know, even just in me coming into my new role, I see so many things that are like, wow, this is real simple to fix, but there's so much resistance because people are just beaten down. They, they don't, they don't have a very good well-being, and they don't, they have a very limited perspective for, for, you know, it's funny to me, we are an educational institution, but none of the educators want to learn continuously. (laughs) And that's the major problem is continuous learning. And so to solve some of the things that you're talking about to develop those kinds of leaders is that a conscious leader also has to be a continuous leader. That's why I say I'm a conscious leader in the making. It's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be, I am a subject matter expert on a level, but I am not the master. I'm not, you, you have to train people to be elders. And what I mean, not old, but who have wisdom. You know, you have to train them and they have to see a lot and be able to discern, to be able to uh, read uh, situations and apply knowledge and wisdom in appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not something you can just pick up, you know, you have to actually study it. You have to, it's a process. So you have to practice. Um, And it is conscious leadership is also an epistemic practice, right? So it's system, it has to be system-wide. And that means you have to have people on board and invested. And we don't spend a lot of time getting people invested or we do superficial investment, like going out into the community, but we don't really have anybody really invested. If If the universities wanted the community to be invested, they would have community advisors everywhere up in this university on all kinds of councils and advisory boards. Because that's who we're supposed to be serving, right? If we're going to be developing new curriculum, why aren't we having community members a part of the the team that's going to be doing that? Because we're doing this so that we can service the folks in the community. Doesn't make any sense to me. Right. It needs to be more than a checklist. Exactly. But that's how, unfortunately, most leaders are trained. It's just a checklist. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can do program evaluation and all this stuff, but... We need to look more, we, t- we need to get the magnifying glass and look more into what we're evaluating. What are we actually, what are those measures? Those, what measures? Are those measures, yes. Yeah. And why? They, and are they appropriate measures, right? Because right? exactly. I use different, well, frameworks or theoretical frameworks, conceptual frameworks are important, but even more so is the methods mm-hmm. uh, and understanding why you're applying certain methods. You know, one of my other programs that I work on is called Prime Tide is for training indigenous students to be physicians. We can't apply the same knowledge to to the way they understand how and practice medicine among um, indigenous communities, native communities, Alaskan communities. It's gonna have to be modified. It has to be modified. Absolutely. But we don't think about these things because we've only had one cultural group who have been dominant and applying what they consider 
it doesn't even work on them. They're right. Right. Work on them. Right. <laughs> right. We still have these problems. I mean, billions, millions, maybe billions of dollars on diabetes programs, diabetes exactly. prevention and control. Uh, we still have these problems. Absolutely. And so, but nobody sits back and asks the question, why isn't the problem being solved? We just keep throwing money at it instead of saying, let's stop and be conscious leaders, have quantum thought groups, right? And figure out, well, if this person and this person is working on this and it's not working and this person and this person are working on this and it's not working, why are we comparing and contrasting? Because of competition, because of capitalism. Because that's our frame. That's the that's the Western framework for the most part. That's why we can't problem solve. Right. And maybe the problem, maybe it is working the way they want it to work. We don't ask that question either. I always ask my students whenever I teach, is the problem you're trying to solve really a problem for everybody? Yeah. Maybe some people like it working this way. Right. You know, oppression happens when you have it. You can only happen when you have an oppressive class. You know, class of people. Right. That's how it works well. And if I have the, if I have the power, I'm going to make you do what I want you to do and believe what I want you to do so that I keep the power. Mm -hmm. That's why that can't be at the core of your framework, right? At the core of my framework is spirit and energy, right? And positivity. So that's how I'm going to manifest in the world. But if I have that other stuff in my framework, I'm going to manifest that way. Right. And also like in terms of leadership, what I think is so profound is that the most powerful person is the one who gives the power away. Exactly. I tell people that all the time. I, I, I leave without demanding that people follow, right? right? And um, I'm very courageous as a leader. So my, as, a, as a leader, I empower people, right? I don't have to be in power. I, the titles don't mean anything, the situations, the money. It is my ability to influence the change. That's where the power resides. Mm -hmm. My ego is intact. I'm very confident, credentialed. And um, so I don't worry about, and I've mastered the, the enemy within. So I don't worry about the other stuff. Right. Thank you. How can more people learn about conscious leadership? Are there some books, frameworks, uh, links, anything that um, you can share with us uh, in terms of how you know, in public health, even how can they adapt these principles? How can people even get in touch with you or what are these other resources? Oh, sure. So you can give folks my, um, my email account. And, um, I also have a, um, a paper that I wrote coming out of my dissertation on, um, in search of conscious leadership. Right. And there'll, there'll be some information there. Also, um, I work with this group called the consciousness Colton, um, Institute, and I can send you all of this stuff a little bit later and you can learn more about consciousness there. I'm the one that kind of works on the conscious leadership part of it. And it's actually getting really exciting because now we're starting to have talks around AI. Um, our, the guy who created this, he's Romanian, Ovidu. Ovidu um, he's been working with an organization that created an artificial intelligence an entity. Now, I don't know how I feel all about all that, but... <laughs> But it's coming because this is the way people are pushing things. So it's better to know and understand how to manage than not know. So that's consciousness. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the other things that people can do, there's this book that I love. It's, it focuses on um, epigenetics, but, you know, 
the, the person who wrote it, Dr. Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief mm -hmm. is a really good um, framework to read. And then also, I think people should start emerging, emerging themselves and their cultural knowledge, their ancestral cultural knowledge, because the consciousness was already built in. That's how they were able to achieve all of the, 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 the things that they were doing as so-called um, you know, people who were primary, supposed to be primary people, primitive people. Well, they put pyramids in Mexico and Africa and Peru and Japan. Like, so they, they knew something. Yeah. all the engineering mathematics so many exactly exactly concepts, complex so concepts. knowing thyself is the is that's why i'm telling you to go to your cultural um information and warehouse because that's how you're going to um start building yourself as a strong conscious leader and learning how to master yourself well thank you so much for this conversation lolita this is just so like we're talking about things that like transcend time right we're talking about yes. the universe in all of yes. this and what we can do in this very moment in terms of consciousness and awareness and leadership. Oh, absolutely. It, you're right. There, there's one other thing that I just thought about. There's a video called What the Bleak Do We Know? Um, they can actually go, folks can go look it up on YouTube. You have to watch it, watch it in segments. But that is something really good um, to, to listen to. And then I'll send you a link to, or you can just Google Dr. Valita Jones talk at women's conference. I think it was 2014. I talk about conscious leadership there as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me and being conscious yourself. I love to engage with intellectuals um, within a maroon society. So I like to create my council of elders and you have always been a part of that. Oh, thank you, Valida. <laughs> Thank you so much. Many blessings. Thank you. Thank to you and have a great day. Thanks again for joining us today. For more information about the Public Health Podcast Network, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. If you have any questions or feedback, we always welcome reviews on iTunes, or you can contact us at info at publichealthpodcasters.com. Have a good day.